Hey, it's the Home Medic. You're listening to the series on furnaces. Welcome back to the Home Medic, where we, as always, help you keep your money in your wallet and your family out of the hospital and teach you the $10 fixes before the $10,000 hammer hits you. We have Heidi Hansen. Great to be back with you, Garth. So this segment, I want to talk about, besides, you know, underneath the category of furnaces and cold air returns and, and swamp, you know, heating and cooling generally, I want to talk about furnace efficiency. Right. Is that a boring subject or what? Oh, I don't know. It's not boring when you're wanting to feel comfortable and you're wanting your bills to be lower. Yeah, bil- having my bills be lower kind of makes me comfortable. Yeah, that's oh, good point. Um, high efficiency <laughs> furnaces are the newer ones. Those are the 90 plus. Uh, they do, of course, end up being a little bit more expensive in the beginning when you're uh, when you're buying that beast. Right. In addition, those will have. You can tell if you've got a high efficiency furnace because they'll generally have a white PVC line that is going to be brought out of the house directly to the exterior. Sometimes you'll have two of them. One is an intake and one's an outgo. And sometimes you'll have one that kind of combines both the intake and the outgo into one segment on the exterior of the house. So I'm guessing that people, if they're considering whether or not to get a high-efficiency furnace, the first question I know I had in my mind was, how much upfront and how long does it take to make that money back? And I don't know, if, you know, you're not probably prepared with those numbers, yeah. but how? What do you? What do you? Continue? Question is, what's the rate of return on exactly. those? Exactly. There you go. Yeah, and I understand that from what I've been provided that the rate of return is about five years. So it is a decent investment. So you know, is, is that for 90 and above, 90 plus? 90 percent? and above. And of course it compares, you know, you can have your, your high efficiency furnaces, the 90 plus, and you're comparing to maybe an 80 plus, something that might have been installed in the 1980s or thereabouts, or um, a more recent lower end furnace is going to be in the 80s range. By comparison, you've got maybe some of the dinosaurs. One of my favorites right. as a home inspector was one that kind of looked like, and I'm old, but I'm still not old enough to, to have recognized this, but there was a show back in like 1950s, <laughs> and it was Lost in Space, and you had this robot that was Danger, Danger, oh, Will Robinson. Yeah. I remember that. I, th- there was a furnace. I've seen that a couple of times, actually, where those were installed in like the 1940s, and they are going to be, they put out a lot of hot air, but they are also very inefficient. And they're probably going to be right. close to the 50% range. Ooh, okay. So I guess uh, as you're comparing the rate of uh, return on the investment, you gotta, you got to decide which of these sorts of, of units you are comparing to. By the way, here's an aside. If you are comparing it to, for example, a fireplace, right? those fireplaces are a complete waste of energy. They are aesthetic only. They're going to be closer to the 5 to 10% efficiency range. Really? Yeah. Now, as far as an enclosed gas log fireplace, I know having one of those really brought a nice atmosphere, and it warmed the room locally, but, but you're saying overall as far as the costs go on your, on your fuel bill or your electric bill, that's where you'll see that they're not really efficient at all. Yeah, if you're doing it for a warm environment, let me restate that. If you're doing it to feel warm about having a fire near you, that's Uh great. You know, you're getting a return on your investment. If you're doing it to heat the house, 
you're much better going off with, or going with pretty much any other furnace. I, uh, I did another That's inspection at a home where somebody had their elderly parents just move in. Right. And the elderly parents, of course, liked to have the gas log on. They'd moved from a home that didn't have such a thing. Yes. <laughs> and uh, they loved it, so they turned it on, left it on all day, and then they left it on for the rest of the week. And uh, finally, these guys get a bill, and it was thousands of dollars. Oh, my word. Are you serious? So this poor guy had to uh, treat his parents like his children and say, you don't get to have the, the fireplace on. Wow, that is crazy. I'd never heard of that. So bear that in mind. You know, it's, it's, it's great for ambiance, but uh, those fireplaces are not so outstanding for heat and efficiency. Well, and I think the enclosed ones that have the, the fan with them are a lot better than what you're describing. That must have been one of the right. open ones, right? Without right. The, okay. So efficiency, yeah, we've got the 90 plus, we've got the 80s, we've got the dinosaurs, and then we've got those, um, those in-wall sort of fireplaces that really are not, they're not furnaces at all. Right, and they even actually allow the cold air to come down, down the downdraft, is that yeah, what it's called? That's, that's true, yeah. They're probably a, a net negative as far as heat's concerned, because when they're not on, which should be 99% of the time, you're downdrafting cold air. So what if you don't have a fire, but you want to keep the look of that, the ambience, as you say? You stuff a pillow up there? What do you do? What <laughs> <laughs> uh, there should be a, a damper that you can close that will eliminate most of the downdraft. Okay. Uh, just be aware that if you turn a gas fireplace on and the flue is closed, then your family dies. Ooh. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Back to the $10, $10,000 fix. <laughs> Wow, that makes me not want to have a gas fireplace unless it's the enclosed type where you don't have to worry about that. Right, where you've got a glass cover plate over it, and then you've, you, you're just turning it on with a switch. Mm -hmm. Things to be aware of. Things yeah. to be aware of. Ways to keep your family out of the hospital and or the morgue. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my and, goodness. And keep your money in your wallet, too. I should mention that part. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention, cold air returns are, of course, a very important part of, uh, of any heating and cooling system. Now, that's yeah. always been a challenge for me, Garth, because it's always in the spot where I need to put a dresser or something else. There's always a, an item of furniture that needs to go in front of that cold air return, especially of in course. the bedrooms. You want your cold air returns down near the floor usually. Sometimes I'll see cold air returns on the ceiling of the second story of a home, and I'll tell my home inspection clients that uh, your cold air return is returning not cold air. You so know. you don't want to, the hot air rises, cold air sinks, keep those down near the floor. And uh, as you mentioned, you definitely don't want to be blocking a cold air return. Um, the amount of air that goes into that furnace is going to be the same amount of air that comes back out and goes through the heat registers. So you've got a certain amount of heat that is being generated at the furnace, and it's expecting a certain level of airflow to put that, the heat that it's generating into. So what happens if you don't? I, I have to admit, there's one location in my home where I have an object of furniture in front of a cold air return. I'm breaking the rules. So how big of an impact is that going to have on you my system? You are breaking the rules. <laughs> I am. Such I a am. rule breaker. <laughs> uh, sometimes you can pull that dresser away a few inches and, and get the airflow that you need. An HVAC guy would tell you don't put anything in front of it. Or at least give it, you know, he's going to tell you, give it at least 12 inches. Ooh, okay. You know, you, you can leave that up to your own judgment as, uh, as to how much you need. If, if, you have one, if you have multiple cold air returns, let's say that you have a two-story house 
and you've got uh, multiple cold air returns maybe on each level, I'm going to uh, go out on a limb and say that you can partially block one of them. Okay. That's good to know. If, on the other hand, you've got one cold air return, you're living in a rambler and the basement's unfinished, and you got one cold air return and it's blocked, then Major I'm not problems. going out on any limbs. <laughs> Leave that thing open. All right. The cold air returns, as a home inspector, I find that they can sometimes get really nasty. Oh, they do. They do, and they're not fun to clean, but you can vacuum them a little bit. I've got a hairy dog, and he gets, he gets hair all over the place. He sheds a lot of hair, and uh, it's shocking how much of that ends up in the cold air return and then into the duct system. One thing that a person ought to be aware of is that hair can go from the cold air return into the filter. I've actually seen in a home where they had uh, huskies, mm. two inches of fur oh my word. on a furnace filter. Wow. And so if you've, got, if you've got dogs like that, especially large, hairy ones that shed a lot, you want to make sure you stay on top of your furnace filter because it does go through the cold air returns. Something else I noticed, because I'm also in the, uh, the meth remediation business, yeah. is that sometimes your users will put needles down in your heat vents. Oh. And so if you just go randomly shoving your hands down there, especially in a home that maybe you just moved into, you could actually get injected or get the contamination yeah. in your hand. Right. Nobody Yikes. needs to, to uh, no. get the same disease that that user. What do you think as far as getting the system vacuumed out? You hear these people advertising about coming and doing the deep clean vacuum. And I've actually taken the home vacuum and stuck it down in my vents and cleaned them out. And there is a lot of debris. But what about deeper in the system? How important is the vacuuming is that part of regular maintenance, or is that just kind of an optional? Yeah, I'm going to say that's part of regular maintenance. You can get, in addition to the needles and hair and that sort of thing, you can get crayons and pennies and you know, and just mm -hmm. and just skin cells down there. Sometimes you get rats, really? mice, and we'll use it as as a hallway to to wherever. So a good professional cleaning uh, on a regular basis is going to be a good idea. Now. Who knows what regular basis means? Right, I was just going to ask you that. Yeah, and that's going to depend on the family. You know, if you're in a heavy construction zone, if there's a lot of messy people in the house, um, if you just moved in or if you've been there for 10 years, that number is going to change. It could be anything from, you know, do it right now and you're okay for five years. Right. Or it might mean something totally different. Okay, that'll wrap it up for this particular segment. You are now master of your mansion, even if your mansion is just a teepee in the uh, forest. If you need more information, you can always go to my website, homemedicusa.com. That's homemedicusa.com. If you need a pro, if you need somebody who I would recommend and be proud to recommend to you, please give me a try. If you need just anybody, try Google. And finally, be you. Everybody else, yeah, they're taken. <laughs> <laughs>